Hey guys and welcome to Quality Shop and welcome to the channel. We do have Amy Lundy. Thank you very much, Amy, for joining us. Uh, for those of you not familiar with Amy, she's a really respected tennis journalist. Work has featured on multiple platforms, Tennis Congress, ESPN, Tennis Connected, also part of the three tennis podcasts as well uh, on YouTube. So do check it out. Amy, how are you doing? Great, great. I don't know about really respected. <laughs> Uh, only a little bit, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Partially. Some of my tweets kind of uh, put me out of really respect. <laughs> I'm quite opinionated. Uh, well, that's good. That's 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 what we like. Obviously, you don't want to be too generic, and that's fantastic. That's what we like. Uh, well, to be fair, you say not really respected, but a lot of tennis platforms that I've seen um, quote some of your tweets, a lot of your tweets, actually. So oh, good. information good. and opinions. So Thanks. yeah, so, so you can take solace from that. Um, <laughs> first of all, how are you doing? Are you good? Yeah, I'm great. Just coming down from the Australian Open. Those of us who were not there this year are in different time zones around the globe and are sleep challenged. And I was telling you a little bit ago that I like to really dive into the tournament and go all in on it. And then I'm still in that zone the day after. And then I start to come down and I take a little break. And then toward the end of the week, I start diving into the numbers and looking at trends and saying, okay, let's see what really happened. Let's see what conventional wisdom is. And then let's see if we can kind of bust some myths or, you know, see what the trends may be going forward yeah well, that makes a lot of sense um to start off actually then uh, given that uh, you know we were talking about um it just finishing in the finals so i know you also wrote an article on uh, the final uh nadal versus uh, of course medvedev and that really historic victory in the end uh, everyone on the channel knows i'm a little bit of a rafa fan i'm on I'm happy to say that and uh, also I'm okay to put my hand up and say I am so obviously I was very happy with that as well uh, but a very surprising victory to say the least and uh, do check out Amy's uh, article as well it's I think it's linked on her uh, I think it's linked on your Twitter isn't it in the yes. in the bio as yes, well it so uh, it was a really interesting read and yeah I recommend it but a couple of things that you mentioned there were really interesting and I thought the biggest thing that stood out to me was about the conservation of energy, uh, something that we don't really associate with Nadal as something which in the past, I guess he's more looked to play every point at 100%, and that's really been his MO, but something that's definitely adapted. Uh, obviously, a few adjustments as well in the way that he plays, standing up a bit more in return for second serve return position. So uh, as a fan, I was screaming throughout all, a lot of the matches, telling him, you know, one set, for example, the set he lost against Hatchinov, uh, he started standing further back on the second serve return. I said, why are you doing that? It's not working. Like, he was working, standing forward. And, you know, he won the first two sets doing it. Uh, but generally, of course, uh, ended up losing in a lot of areas in the final to Medvedev, but one where it mattered most, which was, of course, the match in the end of the title. Uh, what were your thoughts on the final as a whole? And, and also, uh, you know, the points that you of made as well I'm sure you can articulate it a lot better than I have well I did not think that Medvedev should have been the favorite going into the match uh, simply because he's Nadal and I never bet against him and he has been there before he's been to so many you know, if he hasn't won the Grand Slam, he's been to a lot of finals, semifinals. Think of all the huge 
best of five matches that he's played. And Medvedev, he does he hasn't even won that many best of five matches or five set matches, I should say, in his career. So um, he was a guy who, you know, just a year ago, people were saying, could he win a five set match? Did he have the stamina to do that? And there was a lot of talk about um, the younger guy, Medvedev, who is 10 years younger than Nadal, would have more legs and more stamina. And I really, having been 25 myself and been 35 myself, I know that there's really not that much of a difference. I mean, I think Nadal is still in his, in his prime and um, maybe, maybe on the downside of the mountain, but not so much. And um, I just, I thought that Rafa would, based on what I had seen in the tournament so far, that he would um, have the legs and the lungs. And he did. That, that is true. He did. And um, I, I really thought that the entire match kind of broke out into three matches. And this is what I mentioned in my article. The first match was won by Medvedev, but barely in straight sets. The second match, which consisted of the third and fourth sets, was won by Nadal fairly convincingly. And then you had match number three for the whole deal. And um, Nadal won that. And uh, the way that he won it was, was pretty interesting. He did something, as you mentioned, that we have never really seen him do in his career, and that is conserve his energy on certain points. Yeah, I agree. I mean, some of the points, and I think you mentioned it in your article, for, um, I remember watching and thinking, oh, this is new. Uh, so not, for example, on uh, one of the games where he was 30 love down, or, well, 40 love down on Medvedev serve, and... You know, Medvedev had it was a short return from Nadal, and he just didn't. He just stopped playing, really, to stop playing. Uh, Medvedev put the ball away into the open court, and he just thought, okay, uh, he's you know happy to just give that point away because he's thinking I need to concentrate on my service game, uh, and this this game's gone. Uh, it's not to say obviously that you know uh, he if it was forty love and then it was a good return that he wouldn't play the point. Of course he was, but I think it was about judging when when not to use his energy and when to I think obviously he's going to be the master at that given his experience and uh, of course some of the drop shots at times as well in that fifth set he just thought look I'm not going to get there if I am uh, I'm not going to be able to uh, manipulate the ball in the way that I want to end up then winning the point so that was really interesting to see because we're just used to him going full throttle throwing his body around left right and center and and that's obviously why he's had all those kind of those types of injuries, those grinding injuries, tendonitis in both knees, knees for example, uh, because he really throws his body around, but maybe playing in a smarter way. And is that something that you think we can see him utilizing more? So, for example, for the rest of the year as well, when coming obviously into the clay court swing, which is where, of course, he will, you'd imagine, have a lot of success in whether it is Roland Garros or just you know, some of the tournaments there anyways. Uh, but just for him as a person... Uh, I'm assuming that this is a new thing that we've seen, for one. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And also, do you think it will be something that long-term he's thinking, I need to start doing this? Because, as you said, he is still relatively, you know, very... Well, he's extremely fit compared to the average person, but he is slightly coming onto the downside of that and needs to maybe, you know, assess how he plays and adjust slightly. 
Yes, I, I think it's something, I think it is fairly new, although I don't really have any evidence to back that up. It's just sort of um, eyeballing it. Um, I would have to dig deeper yeah. into that. But I do think that it's probably a good tactic going forward. The only question is, is he doing it just off of his own intuition or is he doing it based on data? Because Carlos Moya, his coach, is a big fan of, of data. And um, the, the really interesting thing is, statistically, if someone is serving, like let's say Medvedev serving, and he wins the first point of the game, then he has an extremely high chance. Um, I mean, we're talking 80s, 90s percent chance of winning okay. the game, just off winning the first point. And I actually did a story on Federer uh, a couple of years ago where Federer is even more that way. And he was in a zone. This was maybe 2018 to start the season where if Federer won the first point off of his service game, he was going on to win the game like 97% of the time. So if Federer won that first point, game over pretty much. Cool. And he had a streak going. It was amazing. And it went from like January all the way through Wimbledon. But um, so does Nadal know that? And does he know if he's returning against a great server like Medvedev that if Medvedev wins the first point, hmm, maybe I, I go into conservation mode here. I don't know that yet. Mm. Um, and then the other sort of statistic, statistical thing is that when you're watching a match, there are really two matches going on. One is the, the points played on first serve, anyone's first serve. And the other match is the points played on second serve. So the, the battle and the war is really, in men's tennis especially, is really contested on those second serve points. Yeah. So there was a, a game that Medvedev held at love in the fifth set. And Rafa just wasn't trying. He let him have it. So, you know, good energy conservation. And, and it, <laughs> I, it probably paid off. Yeah, you, it's funny because when you, I, I guess, you know, I know that you play tennis as well and I probably not to as high level, but as a cl club player, you just think, oh, I've got to throw everything at it, right? Because if I throw away a game, then my opponent's thinking, well, you know, I've, I've had an easy service game and, oh, you know, I, I've got the momentum, I've got huge momentum going to the turn game. And then you feel like, oh, I've kind of given a bit of a shift there. But these guys are so experienced, like Nadal, they, they know that, look, they've got the confidence there as I feel like with us maybe, maybe I'm just a bit mentally weak that I feel like I need to do that um but <laughs> I'm throwing, my, throwing myself around everywhere which is quite funny but yeah well, first but, of all I, I am a club player like yeah. pretty low level um but I do <laughs> love it I play a lot I do I do um I think it's a slippery slope for 99.99 percent of the tennis yeah. players on the planet if you stop trying and you stop engaging your feet and doing your mental processes and all that, then it's really dangerous. You're yeah. getting into a bad zone there. And um, Andre Agassi famously said that he would tank sets, you know, if it looked like he was going to lose a set or something like that. Well, 
I mean, look, he can afford to do that. He knew what he was doing. (laughs) Almost anyone else. um, I think it's, it's probably a bad move. And, and I have a little funny story. I hardly ever talk about my own tennis game, but where I play in the Northeast United States, we play indoor tennis and they book the, the courts by the hours. So our matches are actually timed and we can't go over two hours. So sometimes we, we play, um, two sets. And then if it's, if we split sets, we get to a tiebreaker. Well, sometimes you get into this situation where you're up against the clock. And if you've won the first set, but you're losing very bad in the second set and you're up against the clock, you've got to hurry up and finish that second set so that you can get into the tiebreaker and have a chance to win the match. So I was in this (laughs) match where we had to hurry up and lose the set. And it's bad, really bad. And I I said to my partner, it was a doubles match. I said, we got to start crushing the ball into the net. Just hit the ball in the net and and get it over with. And uh, I couldn't hit the ball in the net. I was hitting (laughs) winners. The ball was like (laughs) zipping across and and we could not get out. We ended up losing the match. So moral of the story, don't ever, ever start trying to lose. Nadal can do it. But nobody else can. <laughs> it sounds like the moral of the story is aim for the net and you hit winners. <laughs> yes, yes exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Might try that. Maybe that's maybe that's a secret that I'll be missing. To be fair, um, yeah, no, that's. I, I agree. I mean, normally, like you know, I feel like it just disrupts rhythm so quickly, and that's it. You know, meet your feet are just completely disengaged. You're like really flat footed, and everything just goes off completely. I, I know it does with me if I've ever tried it in the past. But yeah, Nadal obviously just a different, completely different animal, of course. Um, were you surprised that obviously there was this stat going around that he hadn't won a five set match since 2007, which I was really surprised about. And like I'm a big Rafa fan, but I just I, I was thinking that can't be right. Like that's 14 years ago. That's ridiculous i was thinking you know surely 2007 and i was thinking well he won more in 2008 obviously that really famous match he's on so many grand slams since uh, and i was like surely at some point he must have won even if he didn't go on to win that grand slam surely he must have and i just thought no it just hasn't happened and uh it was really strange to kind of hear about and of course he was the first person to win from two sets of love down the open era in the australian open final uh, so a couple of obviously really big records there and one personal one as well. Were you surprised, one, that he came back and also the way that he did? I feel like the trend throughout his whole run was, from the games that I watched anyway, was he came out really strong in the first two sets, looked really good. In the third set, there was a dip and all kind of like, I, don't, I don't, wouldn't say it was a taking a set off, but I think it was just he couldn't quite keep up that intensity for the whole three sets. And the, the opponent then, that was their chance to kind of say, well, we is now or never, we need to go for it. Veratine did the same thing, Hatchinov, uh, Shapovalov, of course, as well. So uh, he had that dip in that third set. And then, you know, from there it was, well, see how he goes. Of, of course, against Shapovalov, he lost the fourth one as well. But Veratini and Hatchinov, he got it done in the fourth. Uh, were you surprised it flipped the first two sets where, like, really his level was not great? Is actually the first set. I was so worried. I was doing live commentary for it, and I was like, this is the worst level I've seen him in all tournament. <laughs> Hardly able to find a first serve. The, the forehand, like, not much velocity. Got not really going through the core, like, very loopy, and the backhand wasn't firing, and I was like, oh, this is worrying. Um, no, he's coming to the net, and the volleys weren't... He's making the volleys, but... They weren't the pinpoint volleys we're used to. The drop volleys were not quite good enough and maybe it was getting to them. 
Um, were you surprised there was this kind of flip the way it was in the final and then surprised that also you managed to win in, in the end from that position because the win predictor I think I saw on your Twitter said and I saw it as well on the screen I remember quoting it saying it's saying it's four <laughs> percent or six percent I think it was and I remember looking at that and then it's funny because it got to the fifth set and he was a break up and I said just remember if he wins this he won it from a six percent chance position <laughs> I was like yeah so he, made, he really made it count the win predictor drives me crazy because I feel like it just takes the fun out of it, you know, and also whoever's winning the match is very high in the win predictor. I mean, it's just sort of, it's, it doesn't have a lot of use for me, but, but that's okay. Um, to answer your question, I thought the second set was unique. You know, that was a, a set where Rafa was up breaks and yeah. um, then he was up, mini breaks and the tiebreaker so i i just kept texting my friends this is this match is not out of reach he's he's sort of got this and and in the first set i just thought that medvedev came out firing on his first serve and rafa was just experimenting he was experimenting with return position and trying to figure out okay let's see how i'm going to play this guy on this particular surface in these conditions today. So I didn't think much of it. Um, the second set, I thought, okay, could have gone either way. Um, and I still did not think he was dead yet. You know, mm. I just, and then he won the third set and I, and I thought, okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> if we can just get to two sets all, then I think Rafa's got it because at that point Medvedev was starting to get uh, the trainer out on his on his legs. Wow. And Rafa wasn't. Rafa was doing his usual, you know, stepping <laughs> over the lines. Yeah. And yes, yeah. exactly. His usual ritual where he does exactly the same thing. And I feel like he's superstitious, <laughs> doesn't he? He does a little sh- a little shuffle and he has to go behind the line and then go forward, doesn't he? Yes. This is so funny. I love seeing it. It's just so unique. <laughs> Oh, crazy. But did, were you surprised at the, the fact that, like, did you know about that stat before, about the 2007 stat? And then were you surprised, for one, it had been that long, and then also the fact that you managed to then get it done? Or was it just like, as you were saying, during the match, you're like, actually, I feel like that's the way the match is starting to go? It's not that surprising. It's actually... Uh, a compliment or a tribute to him because mm. think of all his French Opens where he has just ripped through and and um, won in straight sets or, you know, so it's it's actually his dominance. That, mm. that it's, that's a deceptive little, but it's interesting. It's an mm. interesting historical note. Yeah. yeah, I think, I agree. I think it's more, I was thinking, you know, maybe he done it at Wimbledon, like you know, in the first couple of rounds where you're just feeling a little bit, he's not feeling that great, and he might have been half, maybe partly injured. But uh, I think, you know, obviously it's happened a couple of times, but when it has, he just ended up losing because he just hasn't, you know, been uh, playing particularly well, and he's then got upset. But uh, that was surprised. Did you think the conditions had any effect? I I felt like going into it, if it was under the roof, indoor. I felt like Medvedev had a slight advantage uh, if that was to happen. But outdoor, uh, you know, obviously we know, and Nadal said it in interviews before the final as well, that he would prefer it to be outdoors. He prefers those conditions. He obviously played the semi against Berrettini and managed to adjust quite well. Um, but obviously the final was outdoors. It was very warm. Uh, I know he had a bit of like, was it heat sickness or kind of heat against Shapovalov, mm-hmm. but it wasn't as hot. Um, yeah, what did you think about that? 
I thought that conditions were favorable to him and mm. things kind of broke his way. He got some extra time off toward the end of the tournament. Um, I had heard, and I, I really haven't heard this from anyone else, but I had talked to a couple of coaches just before the start of the tournament. And I said, you know, how are the courts playing? Because every single year before the Australian Open, you hear, oh my God, it's so fast. It's <laughs> yeah. like, it's yeah. like glass. It's like, you know, yeah. ice. It's, and, and both these or three of them actually said, you know what? It's a little bit slower this year. It's Ooh. not quite to its normal fast level. Well, then I, I didn't hear that again. And those are the only people that I heard it from. And, and the narrative seemed to be that the courts were fast. Yeah. Um, but probably they were just a touch slower. Rod Laver was just a touch slower this year. Advantage Rafa. And um, other than that, I'm just impressed with the guy. I mean, this is not his best surface. And uh, look at what he did. It's amazing. Yeah, incredible. Um, People are probably thinking I'm waxing lyrical about him. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely his worst surface for sure. Uh, obviously, the fact that he's only won here once or won Australia in the Australian Open once, I'm saying it like I'm in Australia, but uh, the four finals lost as well. And obviously, the near misses in 2012 and 2017, if I'm not mistaken, serving for the set or break up anyway in those final sets. So, definitely some scarring tissue there, but made it count in what is uh, a fantastic comeback and some parallels there between, of course, uh, Federer as well. and in 2017 when he was the same age and came off a comeback a layoff and some type of medical procedure and a very similar time off came back and obviously beat Nadal uh, in the Australian Open in that final so uh, yeah really impressive and uh, what did you think in terms of of Medvedev Um, could he have done anything differently uh, could he have done anything differently? He was winning, you know, total points, aces, winners, unforced errors, you know, first serves in, first serve points won, uh, zero to four rallies, five to eight rallies, return points. Was it just a case of it was very close, but Rafa played the major points better, those huge pressure points uh, in that kind of fifth set? I think really the difference is that you're talking about an all-court player all surface player, all court player versus a baseliner. Mm. And um, Medvedev just, he didn't have all the shots. Like he's not as comfortable at the net. Um, He's uh, not as comfortable, you know, doing retrievals or he's a little more lanky. Yes. He's fast to the ball, two steps and he's where he needs to be, but he's just a little, less um you know fit i guess it's i've never really thought that like biceps or or you know really big quadriceps were were important in tennis but watching this match i kind of changed my mind because Mm. rafa was so balanced if he had to get really low to snag a volley or if he had to execute a backhand volley just everything's really tight and um, Medvedev's technique on some of his volleys are just a little more flailing, you know, because he's he's got he's lanky, and so he could work on his technique, and he could probably add a little bit of muscle. Um, but it's just um, 
all three of the big three, really Novak, um, Roger and Rafa, they're all all court players. Uh, Novak has done a lot to work on his volleys and and his net play. And he's I, I he's great. He's great. I'd put him up there with with I'd put him way ahead of the average player on the ATP tour. So, you know, for anyone who's trying to develop their game, no matter what their level is, um, I would say look at what Rafa does. Look at all the shots he has. That's a better way to go. Learn to come into the net, you know, learn what to do with a high ball to your backhand and and all that. Um, The drop shots. Um, and that's why I thought he was just better. I mean, he's just a better player. He's 10 years older, but he's a better player. Yeah, no, that's really well put. I think, uh, yeah, I feel like also the added muscle gives, uh, your more sturdy base, I feel, which probably mm-hmm. helps out the net with the volleys and also some of the reflex volleys he had to hit at times. And some of the reflex shots he had to hit probably helped him having that kind of more sturdier base. Whereas as yeah. you said, with Medvedev, he's kind of a little bit flailing at the net. Almost feels like he's he looks really uncomfortable at the net. There are some points where he could have easily hit he hit a shot and it could have been an approach, could have come to the net, and he just went backwards. And it's really interesting to see because, uh, like, I would I would say maybe ninety percent of players would actually go forward, even if they're not as you know potent at the net as someone like a Nadal or a Federer or Djokovic, for example. But um, with him, it was oh no, don't want to do that. Actually, I'm I'm at home on the baseline, which is really intriguing Mm -hmm. and yes um, yeah that's really that's that's like becoming passe and what's old is new again um Mm. probably because of the endurance of the big three we're seeing wow okay so maybe rafa hasn't um come into the net and i don't know i haven't seen him do it much in two or three matches but when he has to do it the skills are there it's, a, it's kind of like Barty, and, and we're going to talk about her in a minute, yeah. too. She's also an all-court player. It's just uh, I'm a big fan of that style of play. And I, I think you're spot on about um, Medvedev's uh, his technique and, and how uncomfortable he looks. Yeah, I agreed. Agreed. And uh, I think Nadal's backhand, I mean... We could talk about that for, for ages, but I mean, it's obviously so improved. And there was one game where he hit three backhand winners and they're down the line. One, I think one was a pass, one was just a clean winner, and another again was like a clean winner. And he won three points and he ended up being uh, like 40 love up on the Medvedev serve with those backhands. And I was like, oh, I was like, this couldn't get any better. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Um, and it's just, I feel like, uh, you know, obviously. For me, I, f- I feel like, what, 90 to 95% of players, their weaker wing is their backhand. And it, when that backhand on the line is firing, it's when you normally know that a player is in really good nick and that's when they're in good form. Uh, and as soon as he, I was like, okay, he's got this, he should be okay. I'm obviously then, you know, had some shaky moments as well. But uh, in the end, got it done. Uh, which is really impressive. Um, and how much slice did Rafa use? Yeah, I mean, he did, yeah. Uh, throughout this tournament, but in this match in particular, who yeah. knew? Who knew yeah. he could hit that shot? But again, he has literally every shot. I, I was at a, a, a clinic, uh, I don't know, this might have been a couple of years ago, and, and um, Mats Vlander was there. He was conducting the clinic, and he said he was talking about lobbing to somebody's backhand because who, uh, who hits a backhand overhead? 
Rafa hits a backhand overhead. <laughs> <laughs> he does, yeah. He's, he literally cool. has all the shots. But the slice and how he used it, um, a lot of the analysts were critical of it during the match because he wasn't getting enough depth on it. Yeah. But, you know, he used it in, in times of defense. And, and when he was a little bit inside the court, he needed to use it. And uh, he used it really well down the stretch. No, agreed. And it's... Thing is, the slice, uh, I always feel like his slice has been okay, but yeah, mainly kind of like a defensive tool. But I think there was a stat they brought up, which was, I think in, in most of the matches, he'd used it around 20%. And then in the match, he'd used it around 40% in the wow. final. So clearly a tactic employed. Uh, I think there is a thought, isn't there, that Medvedev doesn't like the ball, uh, that slice, that low being as tall mm -hmm. as he is and having to really get under the ball. Doesn't like to hit with big topspin and he's had to kind of develop that more whipping forehand at times, which is now a variation to the kind of flatter forehand he likes hitting. Um, and I feel like that's why he used it. And even if they were shorter, which at times may have been punished, Medvedev coming forward, and I guess it's about his, you talked about the variation, his transition coming forward and hitting the approach or and even the shorter forehand uh, to put away, he he makes a lot of errors on that, which you wouldn't expect someone of that level to make those errors on, which is quite a weird kind of error to see. But on the forehand, he does. And it might just be because he feels uncomfortable in that part of the court. Anywhere that's kind of service box forward, he yeah, that's it. It's like that's not that's a weird area for him to go into, um, for sure. Uh, before we move on to the, the kind of, of Barty and her final, is there anything that you wanted to mention in about this final before we move on? I just that I think that it will go down as one of the greatest matches ever played. Yeah. And um, perhaps like the um, Nadal Federer famous final at Wimbledon that Nadal won, books were written about it, movies have been done about it, um, maybe something along those lines for this match. And if you think about all the greatest matches in tennis history, Nadal is in several of them. <laughs> yeah, he is, isn't he? <laughs> he really is. And uh, I was actually talking to one of my friends and I said, uh, you know, we were still in secondary school and Nadal was kind of in his peak. That's when people were talking about, you know, he was in his peak. Now I'm, you know, 27 and he's still <laughs> playing and winning a grand yeah. slam. incredible. Like yeah. it just transcends time almost in terms of like, yeah, my life, which is incredible to, to kind of think about. But yeah, actually, before we move on, I wanted to ask you about the Medvedev, about Medvedev's comments after, uh, which I thought were a little bit kind of disheartening. And not, I think maybe a spare of the moment thing because uh, he was obviously really upset he lost, but uh, said that I think, I mean, I can't say exactly that's the reason, um, but it seemed like he was a bit, he was disillusioned with the crowd and, and booing him a lot. And, you know, I, I can safely say that I'm happy for people to cheer on like Nadal if they're really pro Nadal. Booing is not really something that I'd, I'm a fan of. I think it's just silly. Uh, there's no need to boo um, someone. But uh, he was really upset about it. Normally he kind of plays into it. And then maybe it's because he's won a slam now. So he feels like he has earned some of that respect, which I can probably understand. And, well, the other then... guy had won 20. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, let's, uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's the kind of lack of cheering or maybe it was just the booing and um, shouting between points. I don't know. But either way, he you know said that uh, you know, he kind of talked to, well, narrated a story about him being a child and having a dream and said that, you know, that's kind of dead a little bit now and he only wants to play. He, I guess he implied that he was playing 
for the adoration of fans on top of other factors but now he's just going to play for himself <laughs> and a family and you know he's not going he might he said he might miss Wimbledon and the US and like Roland Garros if there's a tournament in Moscow I don't think he's going to do that but basically trying to highlight that look he's not particularly happy with how he's being treated etc what are your thoughts on it first of all do you feel for him a little bit do you think he overreacted yes. are you a bit in between yes. like w- what's your thoughts um, well, you asked earlier, what does Medvedev need to work on? And I, you know, we talked about his, his game, but really he does need to work on his emotions. And I don't say that in like a judgmental way, cause I'm extremely emotional and I'm constantly working on it, just not only on the tennis court, but in life. And I'm a sensitive soul. So I totally get that. Um, but it is surprising to me that he's the number two player in the world and he's sensitive about the crowd. I mean, so many tennis players just don't take it personally. Like mm. Daniel Collins went out and and uh, did not take it personally that the crowd really wanted Barty to win. And I, I think maybe Medvedev should start looking at players like that and he's probably on the right track with it's really now just a business, but I I actually don't think he meant that. I think it was Mm. just an emotional reaction to having been two sets up and been that close and let it slip away to one of the all-time greats. And I, I always think of like Novak a few years ago after a bad loss at Roland Garros saying that somebody asked him about Wimbledon and he's like, ah, I don't even think I'm going to win the grass, going to play the grass season. It's, I, I probably won't even play it. It was just in that moment. And then he yeah. ended up winning Wimbledon that year. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so players yeah. say things, they're human beings, you know? So yeah. I, I would say I would like to see Medvedev um, learn to control his emotions, particularly, I mean, who cares what they say afterwards, but during the match, I would like to see him not take the crowd so personal especially when you're playing against someone of the stature of like Nadal. But um, it, it's uh, it's easier said than done. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I agree. It's weird though, because I feel like a year or so ago, he didn't mind it. He was always playing into it. He, he loved it, the villain. And he'd say, thank you. And I don't know whether it was because he was saying it because he didn't like it, but it was kind of like, you know, in reverse psychology and then, uh, Nat, but I feel like there's been a flip and maybe he feels like I need to be up. I don't know why there's been that turnaround, but um, it definitely does affect him because in the final against, um, you could see like he was giving a thumbs up to the crowd and he wasn't happy. And, you know, he was telling the umpire, you know, can he take this person out? Can he keep this person out? And you know, he wasn't happy with the noise. And it definitely does affect his play. And, and he said that in the past. So I'm hoping it's something that he can resolve sooner rather than later. And, um, someone did say on Twitter, which I thought was quite funny, that obviously he has antagonized the crowd in the past. Then why be surprised that the crowd's not going to be behind him? So I kind yeah. of feel that a little bit as well. I saw that that um, comment, or there was a comment that's saying that he was a reflection of the crowd. And I thought, gosh, that is so spot on. He's like holding up mm. a mirror, his behavior, and there. But at the same time, um, I think it's important as a journalist and a storyteller, it's important that we don't turn these players into robots. And Medvedev is a great character and he does have a personality. And I would 
love to see that continue. So it's like a balancing act and it's a fine line. And I would never personally want to get on him too much for, for the way he, he handled things. Agreed. No, I mean, he's great. I mean, he's a great character and personality. And I mean, the fact that he won the U S open and did a FIFA celebration is amazing. (laughs) It's incredible. So uh, no, he's, he's great personality. And I think, definitely needed on tour um yes. hopefully you can resolve that um yeah on, on to the women's then so Barty I think we can safely say is well she just keeps on probably has cemented her place is definitely the at the moment anyway the best women's player in the world uh, managing to come through in her home slam and not drop a single set which is really really impressive I think she dropped the least number of games in a tournament after, I want to say, is Monica Sellis and Steffi Graf, I think it was, on the way to a final. So that was really impressive. And then the first Australian to win the Australian Open since 1973, uh, if my stats are correct. So really impressive, really impressive from Ash Barty. And she just continues to impress. I mean, obviously winning at uh, Wimbledon and Roland Garros, hadn't won a hard hardcore Grand Slam yet which people were a bit surprised about, uh, but got through here. There was that really exciting clash that we didn't get to see her against Naomi Osaka because Anissimova played so well against Osaka, obviously, the previous round. Everyone was like, that's the one we want to see in the fourth round. We didn't get to see that. She didn't actually play, I think she only played two top 20 players on the way to the final, but I think we can safely say that she deserved to win it and you can only play who's in front of her. Uh, how impressed are you with her? And you know, what did you think of her run uh, other Australian Open, I, mean, I thought it was just really clinical. It's hard to say whose championship is more impressive, hers or Nadal's, because she had to have so much pressure on her. Yeah. And the way, it wasn't just that she did it, that she pulled it out, it was the way she did it. So decisively. And just making it look kind of easy. Um, I'm really a big fan of her style. She does remind me of Federer. Um, she moves brilliantly and she holds serve like, like Roger Federer. And the, the percentages at which she holds serve is unusual for the women's game. Yeah. It's not that the women, if you, if you really dig down and look at the stats, it's not that the women, um, hold serve so 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 much less than the men do you would think you know that 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 would be the case but it's not it's it's actually just a few percentage points less than men hold uh serve but she's above she's well above uh even the men what the what the uh average is on the atp tour so um in some ways she's uh she has some of the statistical qualities of a male player, um, but she has a lot of panache and um, she has a very easy time with power players. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, no, she definitely does. I was thinking that obviously played Anissimova and Madison Keys and just had so easy. I mean, she just went through it and was like, yeah, I can nullify you. The backhand slice is, is a defensive weapon, it's an attacking weapon. She can use it in so many different ways. It's one of, of course, something that a lot of people talked about over the last couple of years. The forehand cross courts, probably one of the best forehand cross courts in not just women's tennis, but I think tennis period is so good. And you mentioned about her service games. I think 
like she just hits her spot so well uh, and she doesn't serve uh yes she serves pretty quickly for i think the, in the women's game i think you know she was serving around the 180k mark which is really impressive but the way she hits her spots uh is really good and the different variations she has she seems to have all the different variations and has control in those aspects as well and the one plus shot behind the serve is normally a forehand and it's normally really deadly so she's able to hold very easily um and yeah as you said she just doesn't have issues with power play she had like a couple of very brisk moments against daniel collins which we'll discuss in a second because she had an amazing run where uh yeah she struggled a little bit but she kind of got through that and then you know professionally got it done and uh, the other thing as well which I'm, i've been really impressed with is her ability she didn't maybe utilize it as much as i've seen in the past but her ability to come to the net and transition mm-hmm. i think is something that's quite unique mm-hmm. um for example madison keys so barty utilized slicing the forehand short to madison keys which is really weird because why would you do that you're just giving a short ball to opponent but madison keys would hit the approach and it wasn't quite good enough and she comes to the net and barty would just pass her or lob her and uh madison keys is also not very comfortable with the net and it's something that not many women's players have in their locker is that real all-round game mm-hmm. uh, and i think that she shows that the fact that i think after serena williams she's the only player only women's player to win all three services as well in the grand slam yeah well currently active players anyway so um that really impressing is just her the completeness of her game absolutely um on the forehand which you mentioned um to me, there really is something of a Federer-like quality to it because she gets that that lag on it, just a little bit of the lag and then the snap, you know? So it's like, ooh. So um, she, she, I actually had a chance to ask her about her slice at Roland Garros the year she won. Um, and she said that she uses it to, quote, pin her opponents in certain areas of the court. So she can use it defensively, but she can also use it sort of in the chess match and um, moving players around to set them up and set up her forehand. So, yeah, and, and you're spot on. Her volley technique is, it should be in the textbook. It is picture perfect. And uh, she really didn't have to use it that much in this tournament. Yeah, she did. She didn't, I think, just because... Uh, the service games are so short and then she ended up winning the points before that and the opponent should force errors really quickly out of opponents. Um, yeah, I mean, she's so good. I'm very much looking forward to seeing her. I mean, she's going into two Grand Slams she's won before. Uh, I cannot see her not being the favourite in every single Grand Slam she plays in this year. So it's going to be interesting to see whether she's a- a- able to add to it. But I'd imagine... Uh, she must surely she's gonna add at least one more i would imagine but we'll see uh we'll see how she goes um daniel collins was really impressive though from an american standpoint obviously now she's ranked number one american as well on the women's side which is really impressive and making her top 10 debut uh, she's got a very attacking game i mean very easy on the eye i think if you're in, if you're not a particularly hardcore fan anyway um for sure i think she definitely uh, captures the imagination of the casuals the way that she plays uh, on top of not just the hardcores as well and she just seems to have this power game that look when it comes together is really a handful to, to deal with uh, and it's amazing because it's not just off the forehand the backhand as well it's just deadly at times um, 
serve was pretty good throughout the whole tournament, I thought, uh, until really the final, uh, where she had a couple of hiccups and obviously was serving in that second set. She was 5-1 down. I mean, I can't believe she blew that set. She would definitely be thinking about that, I'm sure, having some nightmares in the, uh, in the coming weeks. But I think she knew that she lost to someone who was playing some inspired tennis as well. Um, but what, what do you think of her performance in the final and, and also her tournament as a whole? I thought, uh, obviously, a really good tournament, but is this kind of more to come from her? Is it, Or is it, do you think, could be a potential flash in the pan? She's made semifinals before, but it's her first final. Uh, Danielle is someone that I would never bet against, let's put it that way. And I think um, now that she's cleared up some of her health issues, that uh, she's probably feeling as good as she has in a while. Now, this is her favored surface at the Australian Open. This is what she likes. Um, she's, she's a flat ball power hitter and a street fighter who doesn't give up. And that's a pretty good combination. But she does not like the front court either. She's not wild about it. Um, her backhand is killer. So she's one of those rare players that I would actually hit to her forehand. Yeah. You can probably get more errors out of her forehand than you can her backhand. And um, yeah, she's a great player. But the greatest thing about her is just that she doesn't give up on anything and she's um, dogged. And, um, you know, there was there was some criticism of her, her come ons, you know, how she she gets right into it. and She's yelling, come on. Um, and and i don't know if you noticed but she wasn't doing that against barty she she did not come out with that against barty i don't know if it was because of the crowd she didn't want the crowd turned against her in that way or out of respect Mm. or whatever but um yeah even sloan stevens uh i was it no no it it wasn't sloan stevens somebody played her and oh no, it was Sloane Stevens and Radicanu. Sloane Stevens got mad at Radicanu for first point. Come on, that's what it was. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, first point. Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, um, I think uh, some of the players have criticized Danielle um, yeah. for for just the uh, the aggressiveness and the vocal aggressiveness. Yeah. I think it's, it's because of the. Um, I've seen some clips. I think it's the come on after an unforced error from the opponent. I think is is what gets us on their nerves. And I, I I've I've seen some clips. And the problem is you never know with clips, right? What how it's gone and it's all really short. But I've seen highlights. It was actually against Sakari where she was winning and there was no sound. And then as soon as Sakari was winning, she's grunting really loudly every shot. And you just think, okay, but maybe she's just trying really hard. But you just don't yeah. know. And but yeah. then there's a bit of the dark arts, and she's not technically doing anything wrong until the umpire says something to her. So. It's, but it's just like, it's quite funny. I can see why people get decision, but the tennis she plays is really exciting to watch. The kind of other stuff, I mean, you can take it or leave it. It's kind of up to you. It's more of an opinion than anything else, I feel. Yes. And, you know, to, to Danielle's point, um, sometimes things that seem like unforced errors, you in your heart know that you actually force that in some way. So... <laughs> <laughs> maybe she thought, maybe, you know, there were times when she thought, well, but I took time away there. Or, you yeah. know, I put her in a part of the court where she's not comfortable. So I forced that. Come on. You know, yeah. I never have a problem with it. And just like Medvedev, 
we need colorful people and we need people with personalities. So I love her. And especially as an American, (laughs) I find myself rooting for her a lot. (laughs) No, I agree. I agree. I think everyone was the same. It'd be boring, wouldn't it? So uh, we need personalities for sure. And she's definitely one of them. I think she's got the, they're called the Danimals, or uh, kind uh-huh. of her, her little yeah. uh, supporters, a uh, little group there, which is really cool, actually. Uh, as well, I've seen her taking pictures with them, so that's, um, that's amazing. She just doesn't have to do it, so it's uh, really good that she does do it as well. I'm sure they appreciate it. Um, in terms of like a couple of the like upsets, obviously, Osaka, uh, Luna Nisimova, she's obviously really talented player Nisimova as well, but Osaka looks, she, Osaka looks like she's in a good place mentally. Were you surprised she lost? She had match points. And uh, obviously, though, the fact that she hasn't played a lot of tennis after a very long time and uh, didn't really play much last year. Uh, and what did you think of her level? Do you think it bodes well for the rest of the year? Do you think she'll have a chance at slams? Or is this a bit of a kind of adapting year for her to just start to get to enjoy it again? I thought the match against Anisimova was a great match. It was a high-quality match. And as you said, she could have won the match. And so I didn't. I definitely didn't see it as, oh, my gosh, what happened to Osaka? That, that was just a competitive match that could have gone either way. Um, I don't know where she's at mentally um, because we're now going into that stretch on clay where – this whole thing started when she was bothered about being asked about her record on clay. So um, I like to think, and I hope, and it seemed like she was in a really good place mentally. And um, I would love to see her go back to Roland Garros and have kind of a redemptive story there. Yeah. It'd be great to see. I have a good run there. Actually, it'd be quite cool to see. Um yeah, I just want to ask a couple of questions actually just about the kind of tournament as a whole then and, and some of like your favorite moments, etc. as well. Um, we talked a little bit about Osaka and her upset. I mean, were you surprised with, about Zverev? I mean, there's a lot of kind of talk about him. If he wins, he goes to number one potentially. And then Lost Shapovalov had a really abject match. He did say he hasn't played well throughout the whole tournament, etc. though. Um, but the back end of last season, he played so well, I thought. Uh, and then came into this, and I was thinking, I actually picked him, I think, which is a really bad pick in the end. But uh, no. he, <laughs> no, not a bad pick. No, he's a great player. I mean, yeah. he's he's incredible. Um, he just has not shown us yet in the slams, um, outside of the the U.S. Open final that he made against Team. He hasn't really shown us that he can last in this best of five series that the Grand Slams are. Um, but I picked him to go far, I'm pretty sure. And, uh, it's, it's Shapovalov that I can't get a handle on. Mm. That guy is, <laughs> uh, is just, you never know when he's going to turn in an incredible performance and he dog on near beat Rafa. Yeah. So, um, he's one that I'm a little bit more bullish on, but, but, um, Zverev right now, the MO on him is he's going to win everything outside of the slams and then he's going to be vulnerable in the slams. We'll see if that that holds true. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? It just doesn't seem to quite be able to crack. It hasn't, still hasn't beaten someone in the top 10 in the slam yet. So uh, that would be interesting as well. It's an interesting stat. Um, but f- you talk about Shapovalov and the Canadians are not doing badly. Felix put in a really good display against, yep. uh, obviously, uh, yeah, me- Medvedev? Yeah, it was Medvedev. Um, yeah, really, really good display. And obviously in a really good position 
against him as well. Um, what do you think? I mean, he that this seemed like a real maturing throughout this tournament for him, and he played a couple of really good sets I thought against Medvedev. Started off the tournament really poorly, a lot of unforced errors, and then just came to his own and he held his he held his nerve against Medvedev for the most part. Um, could have won that match easily. It could oh, have yeah. swung either way. He had a match point. I mean, he, did, it, yeah. it, he uh, I, I thought he looked great in the in the final arguments of the match. I could tell his nerves got to him. I, I could just see like he's he's one of he's like a little boy. He's got that sweet boyish <laughs> face. I can and and my son kind of reminds me of my son a little bit. And uh, I could see the nerves, you know, and the and and the um kind of the shock, the shell shock of of letting it slip away. Um, but he played a brilliant match, and I I think he's still on the upside. Um, so. I expect great things from him. I think he will play in a Grand Slam final um, within the next two years. Mm. A lot of people comparing his forehand to Federer as well. You talked about Barty. What do you think about mm -hmm. that? I think he's, his forehand <laughs> looks very good at times. And it's looked really good in this whole tournament, I thought. I thought it looked um, so potent. He was just really confident hitting it, to be fair, in loads of different positions as well. And it was a nightmare, especially on this quicker surface. It's easy power like Federer's. It's uh, very little effort with with a lot of pop on it. So I think sometimes he just has to rein it in. Um, but you make a great point. Like if I were him and, and his coaches, I would study how Federer uses the forehand in all positions of the court. Like, okay, it's a short ball. You're going to go forehand down the line and approach to your opponent's backhand if you're playing a righty. Okay what kind of ball is Federer hitting right there? You know, like, does he, is he going a little flatter in certain situations? Is he putting a little more loft in other situations? Like really study the minute details and the footwork and the, the body positioning. And um, where does he go after he hits the forehand approach? You know, exactly where on the court does he station himself as he looks for a volley? I would really study his game, but it's just, um, it's such easy power that I think reining it in will be, will be the key for him. But again, I, I tremendous upside for him. Yeah, I agree. What about the American, Maxim Cressy had a really good run. Mm -hmm. So Volier that Medvedev was really irritated with in one of the sets that he lost. And um, you can see why, I mean, he's just, Loves to come to the net, rushes the net. Of course, there's a quarter as well. Um, we had a kind of an okay tournament, but probably didn't go as far as he'd like. But beat Cam Norrie in the first round, which was a really good win. Um, yeah, Francis TFO, obviously Taylor Fritz was there. Um, and then we'll talk, uh, I'll ask about the women's in a second. There's so many American women in kind of who progressed far. But uh, what's the feeling in America about on the men's side? Is, uh, you know, how, how are these guys coming through, the younger ones coming through? Is there a bit of excitement around that? I think for me personally, um, I'm, I'm seeing a change in Fritz. Um, so I, I think there, there may be something with that. I'm not sure about Corda yet. Um, I, have, I feel like I haven't seen enough of him. Uh, Tiafo's one of my favorite players. He's, he's more of... Um, like a threat to derail somebody right now than win a slam. But 
you know, you never know. Something could change. Um, and who else did you mention there? Uh, Maxim Cressy. Oh, yeah. Love him. <laughs> I mean, love him. Here's a guy who at some point said, okay, I'm just going to become a servant volleyer. And I'm going to commit to that change. And, I mean, you play. You know how hard it is to serve and volley. I mean, it's it's taxing on the body because you're constantly charging the net. But um, you also have to live with getting past a lot and believe that, okay, that was embarrassing. That, that stung. I made my opponent look good because he just hit an incredible passing shot on me. And I've got, but I'm just going to stick to my game plan and I'm going to come right back in and, and know that you're going to hit a lot of ugly volleys and you're going to hit a lot of successful volleys that, that um, are deep, but you're looking toward the, the second and third volley to actually, you know, win the point or do damage. So it, it's a whole school of thought, and I love it. I absolutely love it. And this guy is a great addition to tennis. No, I agree. Definitely needed. Uh, really interesting to see as well. And it will improve not just himself, but he'll improve everyone that he plays against because uh, then they'll be able to be more well-equipped against uh, volleys you'd hope after playing against him a few times. Uh, they'll, they'll know, okay, well, this is what we need to do against them. And uh, also with, for him, I'm sure... He'll just continue uh, to improve and kind of hone his craft there. Uh, what about the women's side? There's, there's so many women that did so well. Daniel Collins, obviously. Pagula again made a semifinal uh, at the US Open. Madison Keys had a fantastic run in the end. Uh, she was unseeded, got through, did really well. Uh, obviously, we, we mentioned Daniel Collins as well. Um, and it's over as well, upset Osaka and then lost to Barty. Uh, Barty, I mean, to be fair, Barty ended up beating all the Americans. Uh, but what do you think of of the American women? I mean, they're coming through. They're looking pretty strong. Is is there something there? I would like to see Anisimova work on her uh, net game because she's got good height and good wingspan. And um, she's got a lot of other, you know, great serve, obviously. So I hope whoever's got a hold of her coaching her right now will, um, or, or maybe that she could see um, what Ash was doing and, um, and take a page from that. Just like Danielle Collins said after, after the match, I, I would love to be able to implement some of your variety. I'd love to see Anisimova do that. And um I, I watched that match very closely and Anisimova Barty. And I noticed that Amanda was using like a forehand grip on some of her volleys. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. And she's perfectly, she also hits some perfectly great volleys, you know, perfectly yeah. technical, great volleys, but she's just not used to it. She's just not used to it. She doesn't drill it. You know, that's not her style. And um, I mean, I look at her height and, and her, her physicality and I'm just like, you got to learn to come in. I mean, this is going to save your body and it's going to feel really good to, to finish points this way. Um, Pagula, you know, is, is great. She's, um, but she's a baseliner too. 
So I, I get frustrated with the American style right now. <laughs> <laughs> I want everybody coming in like Cresty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thing is, is, it's funny because some like in this moment, Madison Keys, they're so big off like pretty much both wings, forward and backhand. They have that ability to change it up and have variation, as you said, come to the net, develop a good backhand slice and uh, good approach shots, good volleying. Then it just gives them, it makes them a 3D player. Whereas at the moment, very limited and if that's not working they there is no different there's no nowhere else they can go right that's it there's nowhere to hide um as soon as uh someone nullifies those weapons so 100 percent agree um yeah yeah it'll be very interesting to see how they go about the other tournaments as well you'd imagine this is definitely a tournament that suited some of the, those you know those types of styles um in terms of like moments as well so uh, just a couple of questions on what your kind of experience of the tournament was so uh what was your kind of upset of the tournament do you think one that you, really surprised you i i um okay upset of the tournament hmm <sighs> give me some choices <laughs> so i, mean, I think a stuck in a smoke is not really a particularly big one i, I mean zero shapovalov could be up there uh you could have for example, on the women's side, Sabalenka losing to Kanepi. She wasn't playing pretty oh, well, yeah. but that was a big one. I mean, Every was... match. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I got it. I got it. Every match that Kaya Kanepi played <laughs> was, my, <laughs> was my upset of the tournament. Um, yeah. This is someone who um, goes has been going deep in Grand Slams for, for many years and um, has made a wonderful living for herself on playing ITF events and, and winning. Um, she's from Estonia, which is a small country and she just hasn't had the financial support over the years. And people have talked about her injuries, but that's not really it. It's really more about the money. Yeah. And um, that's why somebody like Angebor catching on and getting sponsorships is so important because yeah. she's from a small country as well. Yeah. People don't realize, like, if you don't have the money, you can't go out on tour. You can't even, you're yeah. done, you're cooked. So somehow Kaya Kanepi has made enough money on these lower tour events to and and won these championships to be able to get herself into the slams and she she just keeps having deep runs and um i have a good friend who's a coach and uh i don't know two three years ago kaya kanepi followed him on instagram and he didn't follow her back and i was like relentless like you gotta follow <laughs> kaya kanepi back so i i texted him and um I said it was on the uh, the eve of you know her, her last match, and I said follow her back, and he did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she deserves it. <laughs> yeah, she does. She does, and also actually, I forgot to mention, of course, uh, Elise Cornet as well beating Muguruza. Um, yeah, that was huge. That was a good and she, one. That and she made the quarters one. as well, which is her first quarter final. She's been on the tour for ages. I mean, 2007, I think. Every Grand Slam since 2007, first Grand Slam quarter final. Great story as well, to be fair. Yeah, uh, and what's interesting is that a lot of these women are older. They're in their 30s. Yeah. And um, 
you know, it's, it's one thing for men to play into their thirties and, and, you know, we think it's, it's great, but we don't think as much of it as women. And um, Coco Golf was out of the tournament. Radicano was out of the tournament early. So um, don't give up on women in their thirties would be my, my <laughs> mantra. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's probably quite an easy uh, answer to this, but what was your most exciting match of the tournament? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was an epic, the men's final. Nothing touches it. And with everything that went on with Djokovic going into the tournament, we needed this. We really did. And there were people who were thinking, what if Rafa wins the tournament after all this? And what if he moves ahead in the grand slam race but then nobody really wanted to let themselves believe that it could happen and it <laughs> yeah, did it did yeah it's true i didn't believe it at all i was like oh, it's not gonna happen it's like in the back of my mind i was like please happen but i was like it's never gonna happen <laughs> i was like don't let myself down don't get my hopes up and let myself down but yeah it's unbelievable to be honest with you um and in terms of i guess a few others so probably quite hard on but was there a funny moment that you that you found the Australian Open something that was quite funny or a bizarre moment that happened during it I mean I thought a lot of Medvedev's comments over the course of the tournament were humorous <laughs> when he played Cressy he said it was boring um during the the match with um Nadal it was um he, he was trying to tell the chair umpire how to do his job. And, and it was like, <laughs> if you have to say it 25 times, you have to say it. And then he said, they're idiots. They're idiots. You know, calling the crowd idiots. Yeah. Um, probably not a lot of people picked up on that. Yeah. Um, and then in the, in the uh, trophy ceremony, the, the tennis Australia official goes up to make her long spiel and he, he calls it boring again. I mean, so Oh I guess those were God. my. I know, I know. He'll learn. He'll learn. To, to be fair, he, he can just he, he can lean on the language barrier. <laughs> to be fair as yeah. well. To be yeah. fair, I'm sure some some of the things he says, he is probably not what he means. Right. But, but because of his vocabulary, right. that's probably what he ends saying. But right. uh, I found funny. I don't know if you noticed, but he was telling the ball boys and ball girls how they should be working. I was yeah. like, this is hilarious. So in the middle of his service game, he's like, you should have two balls each. You should have two balls each. And I was like, I've never seen this before. You definitely like, don't see that type of behavior out of the big three. So I think, I know he has to have his own style and everything. And what he wants is he wants each of the ball boys to have at least two balls so that he can be fed the balls that he, and he'll have choice and all that. He doesn't mm. want one ball kid to have just one ball. Cause then he won't have enough choice. Yeah. It's too much. It's too much. That's uh, trying to control things that you shouldn't be trying to control. Yeah. Very interesting. I've never seen that before. I was like, Oh, okay. Fair enough. I've never, this is a new thing. Um, yeah. That was very interesting. And, uh, well, to be fair, one of the funnier moments for me, actually, as well, which I, I only realized whilst watching, I thought, that can't be the case, was Rafa dripping all over the court and then asking one of the ball boys to wipe it. Because, <laughs> and I was like, is he asking him to wipe it because something's got wet then? I was like, oh, no, that's his sweat. Because when they show all the <laughs> slow-mo replay, he's, just he's like sweating oh, all over the court. I was like, what's going on? 
I was crazy. like, wow. I was like, this is ridiculous. He's just bouncing the ball and he's just yeah. yeah. I was like, wow. Um, I was like, okay, fair enough. He's creating a puddle everywhere. Poor Medvedev, they switch ends and he's playing and he's probably like, there's this big puddle of sweat. Oh, there yeah. And I've seen on. that. I'm sure as a player, you've seen it, right? Where yeah. you go, you change ends and you're like, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Don't want to slip or step in it even and carry it back into my my car and everything yeah yes yeah, with the current climate yeah exactly you yeah, like, don't right. want any bug. Right. i don't want anything uh which is hilarious um and actually in terms of i want to get your predictions on obviously it's early doors and it's and of course it's not your ultimate predictions but if you had to guess um you can, you can meet for men's and women's or just men's as well if you want it's up to you uh the winners for the next three grand slams the rest of the year well, this is really hard because we don't know if Djokovic is going to play or not. Yeah. Let, let's mean, say he does play. Let's say he does play. Okay. Yeah. Let's say, I, I guess, um, well, or, or if you want, we can be realistic and say, <laughs> it gets complicated. He doesn't play the French, but he probably plays Wimbledon because here in the UK, we're not, I'm pretty sure they're going to let him in. US Open, I don't know. You probably know better than me. I mean, again, it can change at any time. But... I think he'll be let in. Yeah. I definitely I, I actually think the pandemic will be over uh, mostly I mean we'll yeah. we'll probably be dealing yeah. with COVID or coronavirus yeah. for forever but I I think that it'll be more endemic yeah. and agreed yeah. and a so lot let's of, say these, all of them yeah, yeah um you know uh I I would envision um another matchup between those two Rafa and and Novak because Who's playing better on clay right now than those two? Um, yeah, no Dominic team. Well, if he is, right. he won't be fit anyway. The, the latest is he's got problems with his knuckles. So, um, yeah, I don't see that. Um, Sits a pass, but I mean, yeah, had two sets of love up. I mean, can he play well enough on that to compete with those guys? And There's a guy who surprised me. I mean, he'd had surgery, and I, I was not picking him to do well, and he did much mm. better than I thought he'd do. Um, You know, Wimbledon, I expect that Roger will play. So You do? Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, okay. Yeah. You he, heard he, it from he... me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he's going to want to come back. Um, especially after what Rafa just did, he's going to want to say his goodbye. And, and if he does, he's going to want to be ready and he's going to want to be fit. And remember the last time we saw him, he made it all the way to the quarterfinals of, at Wimbledon, despite having yeah. not played very much. So um, yeah. I, just like I said, going into this tournament, I never bet against Rafa. I also never bet against Roger. But I feel like you've said, Who's gonna be playing, but not who's gonna win the tournament? Oh yeah, <laughs> so I try okay. not to do predictions. Really, oh, okay. I do. I try not to do predictions. But <laughs> yeah, who's gonna win Wimbledon? Good. I mean, <laughs> it's a little early. It is early. <laughs> it was a disclaimer to say that obviously that can change at any point. But you know, I, I, got for you. I think Berrettini's gonna win a Slam soon. Okay, I really do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it may be Wimbledon. He does well on clay too. Here's another all-surface player. Um, so I I have a feeling Berrettini's going to break through okay. soon. 
I feel like you're struggling with a specific prediction, so I won't ask you again. <laughs> I don't do predictions because yeah. then, you know, people get mad at me when I don't predict oh, properly. Okay. Don't worry. They won't get mad at you. They get mad at me if if, uh, if it's wrong. <laughs> so it's fine. But no, that's fine. I understand. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I'm really looking forward to seeing Well, I'll tell you what. I'll predict that Rafa will win Roland Garros. How about that? Okay. Is that? Okay. That makes me happy. So I hope that happens. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rafa goes too ahead. I'm really That's going out on a limb. Yeah. Nadal wins Roland Garros. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You say that, but I tell you what, is is Djokovic playing better than Nadal and Clay at the moment? I don't know. I don't know. Just Djokovic isn't playing be. at the moment. You know? That's true. It's, it's true. Uh, yeah. But he's going to play um, Dubai, is it? Or, or. Mm. Well, he's going to play somewhere in the Middle East coming up. So. Yes, there is the uh, uh, Dubai Duty Free Championships 500, I think, isn't it? So, yeah, I think he'll play in that, which would be interesting. I'm sure he'll love that. Nice weather and a nice introduction back into the tour. Yes. I'm sure for him. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks, Amy, for being on. Really appreciate it. Uh, apologies, it's gone longer than expected. It always does. Oh, all good. Um, I've really but... <laughs> enjoyed it. Great discussion. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no problem at all. Welcome on any time. And uh, do you want to shout out anything that you're? I think I'm obviously called out at the start, but anything that you're featured on or anywhere people should check you out, either on social media or platforms, etc. Um, if you want to, you can follow me on Twitter. And um, I just started a new gig at this website, Tennis Connected. I do a weekly column there called Rational Numbers. So um, I'm enjoying that and uh, give that a, a peek, I guess. No, awesome. That sounds good. I'll put some of your social media links in the description to this video as well. Uh, and also, yeah, a link to... Uh, yeah the three tennis podcasts as well so people can check it out on youtube uh so yeah do check that out guys yeah really really interesting uh yeah podcast that amy does with uh gill and also joel drucker as well which is always a good um good viewing and of course everyone's very familiar with gill so far on this channel he's been oh yeah times. we love yeah. gill we love gill <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I do have to brag. I put that team together. First of all, the idea for this show was mine, even though it's not like a groundbreaking idea or anything. And then I found Gil and Joel has been a friend of mine for a long time. And I love the fact that we're multi-generational and, and yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So we'll have you on at some point because periodically <laughs> one of us can't do it. So we, we get somebody to fill in. So we would love to have you as a guest. Oh, I appreciate that. No, I'd love to be on. I would. It'd be amazing to be on. But the generational thing is fantastic. I love that. Yeah. Because then, of course, I've, I hear now Joel, Joel's talking about different tennis players from a different generation. You're talking about different players from a different generation. And Gil's talking about da David Ferrer. I know that's his favorite player. I know that he'll mention it at some Point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I I think I'm I'm considerably taller than both of them. So. <laughs> oh really? Okay. Okay. I'm. Oh yeah. Uh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, Gil. Well, that's probably why Gil's play, favorite player is David yes. Pro, which is very understandable. Whereas yes. mine's Nadal, and he's the same height as me. Well, I'm a bit taller than him actually, so that's okay. I could get away with that. <laughs> uh, but he's a lefty, so it's a bit. A weird one but yeah thank you again really appreciate it amy and as i said yeah guys do check out uh, amy on all the social media as well and uh, hopefully yeah catch up soon thank you very much thanks have a good